Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19? I'm sorry. Where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like he dropped Superman down like the drain, comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City, part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here. Evening. Oh my goodness, that's not right. Good, good day, sports fans. Holy cow, we were in the, we're in the middle of the day here, and we're doing our first daytime program in uh, quite some time. I'm really excited about it. I've never. It's been a while since I've done a show during the day, and I'm happy to do it. This is this is a cool time to attempt something like this. So uh, we're glad to have you on live on YouTube, uh, YouTube.com/slash/ditcal if you're looking for us, and. Um, also on our podcast feed later, certainly. But live today from the, from the home of champions, the Davis City Studio is the home of champions, Southern California. We're going to talk about some soccer. And to help us do that, of course, we're going to introduce our friend, uh, Parcells Falling Out, who's been very much in key with uh, European soccer and particularly the Premier, the Premier League. So, um, Parcells, once again, great to hear from you. How's it going tonight? Or today, I should say. Doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. This is uh, this is such a treat. I, I mean, I, I I'm glad that you reached out when I was talking about the uh, Super League that that uh, ultimately fell apart last last week, and uh, you mentioned that you had some some stuff to share about that. And I think I think it's an appropriate time as any to really get into that. Um, so I'll get I'll set it up quickly for everybody who's unaware. Um, 12 teams from various leagues, six of them from the Premier League in England and a handful of others from La Liga and elsewhere. I think PSG is one of them. Um, they all wanted to secede from their various you know, individual league, you know, country leagues and form a super league. So just be tw- one 12-team league on all these teams together. Now, that sounds like Champions League, except that this is a full-time like they would this would just be the league. Like they wouldn't even be in the other leagues anymore any, at that point. So that's kind of weird. And in Needless to say, it all fell apart when the English teams decided to to break away from this union, and this was precipitated by fans who were protesting at all the buildings. So, um, so, so Parcells. I mean, I was curious as to whether you were a fan of this idea, whether this was going to be um, a good, whether this would have worked if it had all stuck it together. And what is your sentiment? What's your takeaway from this entire saga? Uh, yeah, so thanks again, Dave. It's, uh, I don't get the opportunity much to talk soccer. It's mostly Yankees and Rangers and Giants and all the American sports. So, th- so this is going to be fun. So, um, the basic, my basic takeaway from this is that th- there are so many tentacles involved, lack of fan support for it, uh, lack of government, their voices heard. Um, so this thing is like new Coke level of, of a PR mess. Um, it, it, it was a real disaster. And it, it's everything about what goes into the European soccer game. And like you said, I follow uh, the English Premier League, more specifically Manchester United. Um, and it's, 
it, it's all of that involved. And it also has to do with um, socioeconomic values that these countries have and have been um, woven into their number one sport for years. So, you know, so just starting off, like, like you started to get into um, what this was, this was going to be a breakaway league of 20 teams. Uh, there were going to be 15 founding members. And then this league was going to allow five teams on a year-to-year basis to come in. It was six top teams in England, Chelsea, Man United, uh, Liverpool, and Arsenal. And then you had three Italian teams, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, and three Spanish teams, um, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. Those were the first 12. They held three spots for other top teams. They were still negotiating with PSG, still negotiating with Bayern Munich uh, and uh, Dortmund out of Germany. Um, the way it ultimately turned out, though, was PSG and Bayern said, no go. We're not interested in this. Um, now, Bayern, o- over the past 10 years, Bayern has been one of the top three club teams in, in Europe. So doing a, doing a league like this without Bayern, you're already um, – you're already not going to be as good as as you want to be because Bayern is one of the top clubs. Uh, PSG also said no to it. So they were out right away. And PSG, the past five years or so, has been one of the top clubs as well. Um, so if you don't have everybody involved, you're not going to be as good as you want to be. So, uh, so right from the start they it, 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 as you alluded to they came out uh late saturday night a couple of saturdays ago early morning last sunday in the new york times they had an article how this league was going to be introduced later that day out of nowhere people were outraged soccer pundits soccer fans english government was getting involved even uh even the monarchy Prince William, who is the quote-unquote president of the football association, the FA, that runs soccer in England, came out with a statement as well. So this was a mess to start with. No, There was no public support coming out of England for this from anybody. Now, one of the things that the ownership, and we'll get into the ownership of who's involved with this because there's an American slant to this, as well um the owners miscalculated the the feedback from fans they thought that they were going to hear uh negativity from fans of other squads from other clubs they miscalculated never thought that it was the 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 feedback uh that they were going to get from their own fans right their own fans who had who didn't support this at all And it was the first time and hearing people in England talk about this, that fans of hated rivals of Manchester United, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, all these fans united to hate this one idea. They were all on the same page. (laughs) So so it was it was it was really outrageous to follow. And now, whereas 
it's lost a little bit of steam, this story. It's no longer on the agenda here in America. Still over in Europe and England, this is the top story. Um, so it's still, you know, they're still talking about it. They still uh, want punishment for these teams. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about that a little more. But um, but it's still it's still front page news stuff over in England. Big time front page news stuff. I mean, the UEFA, you alluded to this already, but the UEFA president was not having it with this league. They He was pissed. And he wanted some serious consequences from uh, different different teams. Um, I had this comment in from Vitred, who's, listen, who's watching the show with us tonight or today. I'm getting, yeah, still thinking, get, getting used to that. But he says, this would have been the end of the Champions League, which makes sense, which means the different country leagues would have nothing to play for. Why worry about finishing top four? What do you think? Yeah, he's 100% right. And and Vitred and I have, have talked about this on uh, on Twitter. So let, let's let's just give an American example. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about um, if this was the NFL and if it was the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Raiders, the marquee teams breaking away. Um, I think this is a little more uh, akin to if something happened in college basketball. But uh, let me get back to that. Let, let, let's talk about what Champions League is. Champions League. So you have all of your domestic leagues, right? You have a league in England. You have a league in Germany, a league in Italy, a league in Spain, so on, right? You play to win your league, and you're the best in your league. You're best in the EPL, La Liga, Serie A. Those are the leagues, the Bundesliga and Germany. There's a league that goes on. You take the top four teams in each league, and you play in a, in a league throughout Europe called the Champions League, all right? So by the time all these teams make Champions League, it's a 32-team league. You have eight groups of four. You, you play to get the top two teams in each group. And then you play knockout rounds. Get to the round of 16 down to eight, eight, four. We're at four right now in Champions League. All right. So this happens in college basketball. College basketball, you have your ACC, your Big East, your Big Ten, your Big so on. Those are your English. Those are your domestic leagues in Europe. You play your league championships to get qualify and merit. Those are big words coming out of this to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Right. So you make that on merit, just like you make the Champions League on merit. So now league champions in college basketball go to the NCAA tournament and then there's a committee and they vote teams in not exactly playing your way in, but based on how you played the regular season, you get voted in and, and that's on merit because they're only, you know, the bottom three or four teams complaining about that. They didn't get in that sort of thing. Right now let's pretend all those teams that make out of all those teams that make the NCAA tournament that you, you take your Duke, your North Carolina, Kansas, Louisville, Kentucky, UCLA, Ohio State, Villanova, schools like this decide, you know what? We don't need the NCAA tournament anymore. We're going to go start our own postseason tournament where it's the 12, 15 of us. We'll sell the TV rights. We'll sell the tickets to the arena, sponsorships, this and that, everything that goes into it. We'll invite five other teams every year. They can qualify, but we're going to be in the biggest 
tournament that ourselves every single year. That's what this Super League was going to be. This was going to usurp the Champions League because the Manchester United, Man City, uh, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they weren't going to do champions is acting or the NCAA in my example. So what happened here was, is that some of these owners, these American owners, American owners of Manchester United, American owners of Arsenal, of Liverpool, wanted to turn this almost into American sport. Right. They wanted to control everything themselves, whereas they do in the NFL. Who runs the NFL? The owners, the NBA, the owners. The owners run it, whereas the, the, um, the uh, sanctioning body, the NCAA, FIFA, UEFA, control Champions League and the NCAA tournament. So the American owners wanted to Americanize a Champions League-like tournament and to keep everything for themselves. And that's part of the reason they, a, a lot of the negative feedback from English fans is they don't want their sport Americanized. You know, they, they mock us for some of the stuff that I heard here. Why would you finish in fifth place and have a chance to win the championship? You know, what, what good is the regular season for that? They hate American playoff system. Interesting. So, yeah. So, so that's why I think college basketball is is more similar to that if those schools broke away to start their own thing. You know, this doesn't make sense. Why to play for this championship and for this mantle, the top team? Yeah. When everybody else has always had a chance doing this. So that's that's sort of what was going on. That's an interesting viewpoint by the, the people who follow – European leagues that the regular I mean, it's interesting comment because I, I have that opinion about college basketball too the regular season doesn't matter and I, it is a genuine complaint I have but the tournament is all is such a big thing here and so I guess it's just a it's just the, the upbringing is different and I'm a little surprised that people feel that way about playoffs so they don't actually like playoff systems in that regard no not at all and um and you know, you, you, you bring up a good point and you bring up a word a good word. It's different, right? Mm-hmm. It's not right, it's not wrong. It's just different. It's it's their way of doing their sport over in over in Europe. So I, I like both. I mean I, I can like chocolate and vanilla. I can like what we do here for our sports, right. but I can also appreciate the fact that the English Premier League, they play 38 regular season games play each team home and away right. the team with minute who finishes with the most points that's your champion i can i can appreciate that that that's the way they do it because it's simple every game means something yep that's true it's completely fair I mean, it's it it is i do find it a little <laughs> strange though because i'm like okay and then what <laughs> but that's it it's like that's how college football used to work too actually you know like the if you won the most number of games at the end of the year and you were ranked high enough in the poll, you're the champion. That was the end. And the bowl games were just kind of an exhibition, just kind of to showcase other teams playing other teams in other conferences. Um, but 
I think the upbringing that we've had with pro sports led college to adopt the playoff system because many people in the States just can't submit to the idea that just winning regular season games is enough. It, it proves that is not enough to prove that you are the best team. And I have to admit, like, over the playoffs that we've had, sometimes teams aren't built for big spots. Like, we saw the Seattle Mariners in 2001. They had the most wins, like a record number of wins, like 100, what was it, 116? Um, right. So you, you you can see where our mentality would be different, but there is certainly room for the for the difference. I, I think that's that's fine. You know, if people have been accustomed to that, I, I have a lot of issues with the way Liga MX does their playoffs. Are you familiar with that that format? Like they, were like you have to go by cumulative goals, and like I understand that the goals count more if you went if you score on the road. And like what the hell is that? Like because they can't play three games, they can only play two, like a home and a home in a playoff okay. in a playoff scenario. So there is no perfect system. I guess is my point. No. Oh. And that's why, and that's why I think, you know, we can like both. Um, but you know, one of the reason, part of the reason why it's done that way, from two out of three to three out of five to four out of seven, um, and it increases the owner's opportunity for money, and that is because. These sports teams in England, or these soccer clubs, are not supposed to be used as money makers. Um, throughout throughout history, the owners have been the caretakers of te- these teams, not not using it to make a profit. So, you have these colliding interests there between uh, the fan bases and the ownership groups from America. Uh, that that it's just it's simply a different philosophy. And, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, the Glazers who own Manchester United, Manchester United is argu- arguably the largest club um, in, in the world. And uh, the Glazers, you know, leverage, leverage so much money with J.P. Morgan to buy the team, put the team in so much debt that right away the fans over there hated the Glazers. Mm. All right. So, you know, what, one of my questions to, to some, of the, some of the people that I talked to through social media over there was, how are the Glazers such big players in English soccer when I don't think anybody here would argue the Glazers are basically a non-entity? You know, nobody really talks about the Glazers and their ownership of the Buccaneers. I mean, granted, you know, they just won the Super Bowl, but right. still leading up to that, Nobody, nobody rates the Glazers here as as anything special. Right. You know, a lot of people talk about you know Fenway Sports Group because of the job John Henry did there. Um, that's okay. And the same with you know Stan Kroenke owning the Rams and the Nuggets. People don't talk about Stan Kroenke in America, but he's a huge player. We seem to have lost a bit. I think we just lost your last sentence. You were saying Kroenke's a huge player. Because he owns the Arsenal. Oh, okay. Um, it, the fan bases 
only skeptical, and that, it's not even skepticism. Well, um, but but here, no nobody nobody talks about him at all. Right. Um, but the fan bases they they despise the American owners um, because change their game, mm-hmm. um, and and you know they're just they they've had enough, and that's and that's where you see the protests this uh-huh. week. You know, it all started out with Chelsea's protest at their game. Uh, you know, they're they're not owned by American; they're owned by uh, Roman Abramovich, a uh, Russian oligarch, uh, billions of money uh, dollars, um, and uh, you know, but. Every team so far, or most teams, Manchester United just had a protest on Saturday. They're having another protest. I mean, these these fan groups are extremely well organized. You know, they're not they're, they're not like a fan club that we know here, where you pay ten bucks, get a T-shirt, get a Pepsi, and you, you, you can sit in the upper deck. That's that's not the fan clubs over there. <laughs> these fan clubs have a have a have a seat at the table. Wow. They are, really? you know, they, they, yeah, they're well organized. They're called supporters trusts in, in some cases. Um, you know, they, they don't get what they want, but their voice is heard. Uh, and, and that's kind of what's going on right now. And these protests are huge. And these, these uh, American owned clubs, they're, they're doing a lot of backpedaling right now. John, that, that video that John Henry released was almost sad. Um, Seeing him, seeing him grovel like that. Uh, the Glazers released a statement. That was it. But, um, but yeah, the, these the, these supporters groups have have a have a ton of influence. Yeah, that that's, and I think it's it speaks to the uh, it's a tribute to the fan bases and and uh, uh, across the pond, no doubt. Um, I have this from Vichad who adds. If there was no Champions League, these country leagues would have to figure out a playoff system. Otherwise, the last third of the season would be meaningless. The last third of the season would be meaningless. Well, I can see what he's saying um, because because what happens is is that, like we talked about earlier, the top four of each league moves on to Champions League. So while right now in the English league, Manchester City has pretty much won it and has has had it wrapped up for the last month or so, uh, there are teams playing to get into the top four because there are millions of dollars waiting for them in Champions League. So there are teams in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place right now with five games remaining who still have a chance to, to get to that fourth spot for Champions League. But... But I, but I'm not sure there would be a playoff type system, um, because because again, it's so uh, another another problem in all this is that this the Champions League and moving up in every league is based on merit, right? Everything they hold that so dear to their hearts that everything is done in merit. You have, you have what's called a soccer pyramid, a football pyramid there. Take England, for example. There are nine or ten leagues in the soccer pyramid mm-hmm. and the lowest league at the bottom. And you can, you can make your way up from league to league to league based on, uh, based on promotion. If you finish in the top three of your league, you move up to the next one. It's all based on merit. Whether you win or lose or where you finish in your league, that's that's on you. 
And what if you drop and you get relegated, that's that's on I that's on you as well. Yeah. So so I I don't know if there would ever be an American like system over there. But um, you know the way the Champions League. I don't want to call it ideal. And actually, they they just passed uh, um, some new provisions that Champions League is going to increase the amount. And I think they were working on this with a lot of those teams that wanted to leave. They were working on this before they announced the Super League um, to allow them to play more games and generate more money. Um, So, but yeah, you know, if there was no Champions League, there would be something uh, I'm not. I'm not sure it would be American style, though. Okay. I mean, I think that. I mean, I. I completely understand the resentment from fans regarding these American owners. I mean, I think we would feel very similarly if if uh, foreign ownership of NFL teams or any of the teams around here had that kind of prominence. Though I'm not exactly sure because it exists. I know that it's a real thing, but. But still, I get it because the reason why there's a difference here is because whereas you might have a foreign ownership of a given team here or there, uh, consortium, whoever it is that uh, owns, let's say, like I mean, let's say we're the Nuggets or something. Like I think you mentioned Cronky, so you know, or whoever else uh, out here. Uh, you even mentioned the Glazers. There is a difference between that and the owners who are trying to change around the fundamental fundamental aspects of what a league is. And, and that is a very American thing to do. It's like, well, it's not our way. We want to make it our way. It, it doesn't matter what the country is. And, and that can get very annoying. So I, I get it. I get all of that. And uh, I, one other comment from V-Trade. He says, no other sport has a moment of silence when a longtime supporter fan passes away like they do in Premier League. That That's pretty cool. I didn't know about that. that that's very interesting. Yeah. So um, anyway, any, any further yeah. thoughts? Yeah, they know they do a great job with all that stuff. And, you know, I, I gotta say, you know, just, just a little background for me, for me personally. And right now, this this is like the perfect sport for me and the way my schedule is and the way the games are pretty much uh, one midweek that they play in Europe, one on the weekend. It's, it's very well scheduled. You're in and out in under two hours. Yeah. Um, You know, in, all this talk about major league baseball and wanting to change the game around and this 10th inning nonsense and uh, seven inning doubles, uh, you know, I mean, we see the whole controversy here with the uh, Baumgartner uh, no hitter and that, you know, what teams are trying to change their rules inherently, this, this sport is under two hours. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if it goes longer, than two hours because because they have um, added time. That's that's just because it's such a big game. They want it decided on the field. It's it's a playoff type game before they go to penalty kicks. They'll play another half hour. Yep. So so you know it's you know the the reason why you know I've just been reading and watching so much. There is so much stuff that they post on YouTube and the athletic has done an amazing job with all their writing on this um, with, and it's inherent and you kind of, you, you know about it. It's, 
nature, you know, it's firsthand of what I'm trying. But here I'm still kind of learning of this stuff. And I find it fascinating, um, this whole story. It's, it's, and, I, and I said to Vitred on Twitter when it first happened last Sunday morning, this, this is the craziest sports story I've ever seen. Um, that it's just sports and these teams trying to leave this league. And like I said, to start out, all the tentacles involved with this with government and supporters groups and um, American ownership. It's just, it's just a fascinating story. That is, it's it's, it's going to be a pretty good documentary at 30 for 30 when it comes out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's so much, there's so much juice here in the States about it. And kind of like you, I, I've been, uh, I'm learning about this league as well. And I think the the growth of popularity of European soccer here in the states has been quite quite interesting and fascinating, and I think there are a lot of merits to it. I mean, we've had a couple of World Cups where the U.S. have been very much involved. I think it's been pretty awesome to see these runs. I mean, not lately, but like in back 2014 in particular was a really really big year for right. U.S. U.S. national team. But uh, that kind of seemed to be the the forefront of like all of our ability to fall. But I do know that there are a lot of people. I'm not sure if you're part of this group, but they who've been in on the Premier League even before that, like well before that, like. And so it's it's really interesting that it's becoming more of a mainstream thing for all of us to watch. The coverage has been pretty good. You know, NBC. I don't know what they're going to do without NBCSN now. That's going to be interesting. I, are you? What do you think will happen yeah. there? Like, what do you think will happen with television coverage here in the states? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, um, and, and it wasn't going to be good news for the NHL, and we saw that today yeah. with um, uh, NBC not not re-upping with the NHL. But once they announced NBCSN going away, it it, it didn't look good. Um, you know, I, I I'm just hoping they don't move all their stuff behind uh, a paywall or a larger paywall, so that they. NBC had their stuff on, I think it was like NBC Sports Gold or Sports Gold, something like that, um, years before this one. And then when they um, when they started their streaming service, Peacock, they put they put a bunch of games in there. And they put some some notch games on there to try to push their service. Fortunately for me personally, my my cable provider, Cox, made peacock part of their package so so i could get access to that but you know the more and more stuff that's going to go behind paywall probably isn't so good for fans um i could see the nhl doing that now with uh with, with, with turner Plus. and with espn yeah but, but but i i thought nbc because they had a lot of um a lot of inventory a lot of open hours they 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 didn't have a lot of stuff on NBC Sports Network. Right. That that was perfect, and they they did a great job with uh, the Premier League. I thought they did a really good job with with the NHL. I mean, you know, they they had their their games on um, all the time. Yeah, you can find an NHL game all the time. Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning to afternoon, you could see matches on NBC and NBCSN. Mm-hmm. Start you know starting at seven thirty in the morning on the East Coast here, so we we had it good here for for a few years. It'll be interesting to see what happens um, yeah. coming up next year. No doubt. Um, before we close, I want to ask the same question. Um, Vitred notes that Premier League has surpassed NFL as far as his interest and enjoyment. Would you? You seem to have suggested the same thing. Would you say that's true for yourself as well? 
yeah, I would say that. I, I, I consume a lot of uh, English Premier League content. You know, I'm, I'm able to wake up. Uh, if I'm up early, well, I, I am up early on Saturday mornings. I'll throw on Burnley versus Crystal Palace at 7.30 and be able to have breakfast, watch the game, uh, surf the internet, see what's going on. And then I'll watch the next game if I'm around at 10. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I could watch the the Bengals and Titans. <laughs> you know, Titans are right team, but I, I don't know. And, and again, I know what I'm getting out of there. Yeah. I, I know if it's a 7.30 game, I'm out of there at 9.20. Right. There's something. You know, that, so yeah. I would agree with them. It, there's something to that. There, there really is. There's something very valuable about knowing a game will end within a certain amount of time. Like there, there is nothing else in 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 pro sports that comes close. The NFL is probably the closest, because you, you do no matter even if you got all the flags and everything else, it still ends around three hours like that. And I think that's why it's still so popular today. It's because that dependability of when it's on, what channel it's on, and how long the game goes is usually consistent. The NBA right. does not do that. It. Just yeah. Plus, that, plus, you know, the the, the 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 clock is running. Play play is going. Right. You know, there'll be there'll be a, an occasional VAR stoppage where they're you know checking the monitor like they're doing in all sports these days. But the clock is rolling from right. zero to forty five, and then a couple of minutes extra. Um, you know where you're at, and it's continuous play for the most part. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I used to be one of those guys, like years and years, you know, more than 20 years ago. Soccer is boring, soccer is this and that. But then I I gained an appreciation for it, you know, and I don't find it boring. I don't don't find the throw-ins in your own end uh, a a non-entity. Like some people think, oh, that's not a play. It's like when the catcher throws the ball back to the pitcher. No, that's going to lead to a buildup that may lead – you know, may lead to a goal. So, you know, I'm kind of paying attention to the whole thing mm-hmm. for, you know, under two hours. And yeah. it's it's such an easy watch. And, you know, so it, it, it's terrific. That actually does remind me of baseball, too. That's the one thing. I followed it a little bit in the summer last year because that was, like, the only thing on at the time. And I really wanted to keep going, but I just lost track of it with, like, an all-NBA and especially with the Lakers doing so well yeah. that year, you know. But I want to go back into it. And that is the one thing I remember about all kinds of soccer is that there's a real baseball element to it. It's like the grass kind of reminds me of baseball. It it and there's a lot of buildup. There's strategy. You're kind of holding the ball. You're thinking, well, we're gonna go this way, this way. What's the scenario? Set pieces. I mean, there's definitely buildup, and I think it's really cool. And it's like people who just throw out that line like it's boring. Well, it's like, is it any less boring than baseball? Like baseball, you're just standing around for like ninety percent of the game. Like, how could, right? How could that be more exciting? So, so Dave, this summer when you when you when you won't, so you, right. So, so when you only have the Dodgers going this summer, you have to jump on board uh, the Euros twenty twenty one. It was canceled last year because of uh, the pandemic. They're mm-hmm. playing it this year. So it's it's every four years like the World Cup, but it's two years before and after. So there's a World Cup. Two years later, there are the Euros, and it's it's like you know it's like a World World Cup for Europe, just just the European countries. Oh and yeah, I love the Euros. Gonna, it's going to be tremendous. Yeah, I remember that year 
when Ronaldo like couldn't play from the Euros champion championship game. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that was a great tournament. I remember that was like what that 2016. When was that? I don't remember when that was. Uh, that was probably 2016. Yep, because last year it was moved to this year, so okay. four years before 2016. So it's going to be a tremendous tournament. It's going to be some amazing soccer, um, and it's you know it's going to be on during the day like the World Cup is. Mm-hmm. So uh, really looking forward to that as well. Oh, I am too. I thank you for reminding me that 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 is super cool. I, I'm looking forward big time. So we'll close with this question because it's already been asked in a lot of articles. What's next? What is next for the punishment for these teams that tried to try to subjugate their various leagues and do the Super League? What's next for the ones who took too long to, to, to back out? I mean, what will happen from here? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, um, in listening to some of the pundits government intervention, uh, they want the um, having to do with clubs leaving, leaving Europe, uh, leaving England, leaving for unsanctioned leagues. Um, they, they say that's the only way something is really going to get done is government intervention. Now, the leagues themselves, the FA over in England, they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, with the six teams, there there is such animosity right now between the six who wanted to leave and the fourteen who are still there. They feel like that they are they've been called snakes, snakes in the grass, backstabbers. That these are people who wanted to pull their their squad out and go and go to this uh, super league. Now, the teams wanted to stay in England. The six wanted to stay. But, I mean, you've heard stuff like expulsion, um, which is which is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, point reductions. So when teams have violated rules in the, in the past, they have faced a points reduction. Because, obviously, the, the league faced a point reduction. You face not being not being able to move to Champions League or Europa, which is like the NIT to the Champions League, um, to stuff like uh, transfer bans, where you're not allowed to bring in players from other teams. So they they don't do trades, they don't trade players over there. Players get sold and bought. Okay. So the larger teams usually will bring in every year two to three players from other clubs who they buy. Um, so, so if, if, if the football association says you have a six month transfer ban, you can't, you can't, tra- you can't bring in any new players within that window. So these are some things that have been thrown around and, um, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. But, but another thing that, that there are, there are some people who, who don't th- think this thing is dead yet, you know? There are people, you have the Real Madrid uh, whack job, Florentino Perez. He, <laughs> this guy's this guy's an out-and-out loon. Um, he, he's saying he, Real Madrid and Barcelona, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus are still in the Super League. They haven't killed it yet. The English teams have left, but these these three teams are still are still in it. They didn't leave. So now 
in my opinion, I think they're still in it because they want they, they want to recoup some penalty fees from the English teams that left because the English team signed off. We're in. They paid X amount of dollars already into the league. Um, so that's that's my feeling is that they, they want to recoup, uh, recoup some penalty money from them. But but this thing, I don't think it's dead yet either. Hmm. And I think that's why I think that's why if, if legislation in England, the English government is the best way to to um, keep these teams from going to non-sanctioned leagues, I, I think they got to get on top of that. And, and, that, and, and this isn't me just making this up. This is what people are talking about over there. So, um, so we'll, we'll have to pay attention and see what happens with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much drama with the Super League, and and I'm curious to keep keep seeing any other updates and and uh, Parcells. This has been a tremendous primer for all of us. I want to thank you for joining us on uh, today, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, uh, all the best to you and your family, and uh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks, Dave. I had a blast. Bet. All right, you got it. Uh, that was fun. Uh, thank you. Thank you again, uh, Parcells. Good times. That's our show tonight. Today. It can be tonight, too, if you, it depends on what, how you want to do it. But uh, um, we say good night. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and watching, actually, here on YouTube. Um, if you're looking for us, you can find us on the web at didcow.com, youtube.com slash didcow, facebook slash com slash didcow, and um, on the Apple Podcast, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, we're at we are look for Dave in the city out west. Glad to be a part of it. We hope you enjoy your your your, your day, the rest of your day, however it may be. Um, and um, we back on Wednesday with a full NFL draft preview program with um, Ron in New Jersey. I'm Dave again. We'll see you next time.